Hi, Vic. This is Gotato from Stage Fright. I hope I didn't catch you at the wrong time. <laughs> no, you didn't. Okay. Uh, from my understanding, you are an active member of the Cape Town art scene and you have been facilitating a number of activities over the past number of years. Is this correct? Yeah, you can say that. I'm an art coordinator and then I move around different art spaces in Cape Town. Okay, cool. So um, please do be advised that this call is being recorded for content creation purposes. Are you okay with us continuing? Sure, that's fine. Okay. First things first, what is your truth? My truth? Mm-hmm. Hmm. <laughs> um, man, that's such an open-ended question. What is your, what is your truth? Um, your audio seems to be clipping. I don't know. Um, I don't know. It might be that I have a bad internet connection, or it might be that like I'm moving. Is it better now? Uh, let's just continue. Wait, let me try this. Uh-huh. Um, can you? Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Um, what is my truth? Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you mean? I'm sorry. It's so weird. Like, is it is as in like something that I live by, or the truth for the arts, or whatever, whatever truth you live, you are most comfortable with. Whatever truth you choose to own. I think one of the truths is you can, that we don't ever understand anybody fully, not even ourselves. Um, The most that we can do is try. And often that's where the fun begins. Okay. Cool. Cool. All right. Uh, Then... Cool. Uh, I think we can then expand the conversation from that point right there. You never fully understand a person. Uh, All you can do is try. So how would that relate to art and um, uh, putting art in front of people? I mean, I think a basic a basic, a basic truth, if you want to call it, about life is that we are often we we're communicating with people, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. we're communicating something as basic as like I want food or you know I want to sleep right now or go away or come closer. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes what we're trying to communicate is a lot more difficult. So it might be, I really enjoy being in this place, but I hate the way that the things, I hate the structures that are set up around us, which means that a lot of people cannot enjoy this moment in the same way that I can. Mm -hmm. Um, And it makes me really upset. And I don't know how to, to be both angry and joyful at the same time 
mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the way that we, um, the way that we communicate with people often is by using metaphors. I think everything is a metaphor. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like if you were to explain to somebody, if some, what can I use in this, as an example? Um, um, hmm. Right. So say I'm trying to explain to you what matoke is. Um, which is like a banana found in Uganda, right? I'd say, think of um, the, the, the bananas you grew up with, but they're smaller and they're more green and they're riper. Like we're always trying to explain things by using other things as, as examples um, mm-hmm. to get our points across. I'm lost. I'm going to come back to Earth now. I'm here now. Okay. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, I hear you. And, and maybe to tie it back to the original answer you gave about what is your truth, is the whole uh, one trying to understand something and never really understanding it. And what you were saying also is that in relation to art is trying to make someone understand but never getting them to understand it. Uh, I don't know if uh, I'm probably watching your answer, but. uh. (laughs) Yeah, I think art is often an effort to understand. It's like, I think we all communicate differently. So Mm -hmm. some people, verbal people, some people do it with body. You know, um, I'm the kind of person who, although I don't like necessarily, I love talking. I hate talking through emotions though. And um, often, if if somebody feels a way about me, I need to I need them to express it in words because I'm not necessarily good in like at reading body language. Mm-hmm. Whereas other people, they're like, "How could you not know that I felt this way? Um, I clearly exuded this by, I don't know, hugging you, touching you incessantly, and you're like." Yeah, maybe you like that. I didn't know that it it, it expressed a deeper emotion. Mm-hmm. And I think artists, if you're going to someone and saying, hey, this is how I feel and this is how I've interpreted it, even if it's writing, you know, poetry does mm-hmm. that, even novels. You okay. know how writers will tell you, it's not about the dog, it's more about sadness. And you're like, what? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's not about the sky being gray. It's about... How gloomy the characters were. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I think now we can get into basically the main reason we're having this conversation. And uh, stage fright is basically me attempting to talk about the process that goes behind how art is presented to people, right? Um, you've organized a few activities yourself. I think I've seen you organize a poetry writing workshop or a slam slam poetry workshop. And you also organize Open Book Festival, uh, the Open Book Festival slam, that is. And mm-hmm. you've also organized a, a number of events. And um, there's a whole 
causes behind that, right? And then the other side of why um, I want to actually do this whole stage fright thing and uh, twist on the word fright, right? Like focus on the fears associated with um, presenting art to people, uh, whether it is just the fear of will people actually enjoy this specific piece or the uh, fear of will people actually show up to the slam? Would people actually sign up to slam? And yeah, if you ever organizing anything, there, there are many fears. Will the sound be good? Will so on and so forth. So I'd like us to break down all of these things one at a time and Obviously now, uh, the things to be worried about have changed because of COVID-19 and the whole corona crisis when physical mm -hmm. space is no longer a community thing. It's more of a you and your family type of thing can only be in the same physical space. And art, the foundation of it, um, or how it became this big is partly due to the fact that you can have a number of people in the same physical space watching it. And also uh, live art, per se, uh, uh, maybe go taking it back to gla gladiators uh, when they had duels and then the uh, emperor would decide whether or not the guy who lost the fight gets to keep his life. That became yeah. so big because it was in a coliseum and everyone was there watching the fight. And what does live art become now as the physical medium, uh, the physical space that this community of people used to congregate and to watch this uh, performances is no longer there. Mm. So yeah, that's basically the gist of what um, I intend for us to talk about. Mm. Probably might not get to talk about everything, but you choose. What would you like to start uh, on from the summary that I gave? It was a very long summary. Um, <laughs> mm -hmm. Sorry. <laughs> um, I mean, the thing about people being together, I think, you know, everyone is doing these live events or trying to do things like stream things live mm -hmm. and I'm I'm not enjoying it not really I mm -hmm. think <laughs> I'm not really enjoying it I think on the one hand there was this this there was this um article that was going around that people have been sharing about mourning the loss of assembly and how mm. part of um, live performance is this gathering of people, this communion of people or people mm. congregating in a communal space and, mm -hmm. and watching it together. Um, and yeah, I think that people really underestimate the, 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 the energy. Yes that comes with having just a body next to you, right? Let alone 50, 100, thousands of other bodies in the space and the, and the energy that, that 
holds in itself. It is, it, it is an energy. Like it contributes something to the experience mm-hmm. that really doesn't happen when you're mediating something through a screen. That's the one thing. On, on the other hand, I think that simply streaming, I think we've moved away from, from that. I, I, I think I commented on this when I wrote my Antigone review last year, is that, you know, there's this, people just seem to think that if I project something which in, 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 in some cases live streaming is, if I just do what I did before, but now you can watch it through a screen, somehow this is engaging to people. Yeah. And because people have screens, um, we have screens in our pockets, we have laptops at homes or home at, or PCs, all of a sudden this means that we we want to engage in that way. But what they forget is that I've grown up talking to technology. We have grown up talking to technology. Mm-hmm. Your phone you primarily use because you're texting some someone. It's interactive. I post something, somebody comments, somebody likes. Um, mm-hmm. And you see that develop in real time, right? There's, mm-hmm. it's, not just, it's not just, oh, of course you can just scroll, but there's also something that you are physically doing to that screen. Do you know what I mean? You're not just a willing victim or what? Yeah, you're not just like strapped in a chair watching the the screen. Our relationships with our screens have developed to the point where we expect interactivity. Mm -hmm. Cool. Or, yeah, and, 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 and that means that we can comment on things or stop things or rewind things, even our TVs. Mm-hmm. That you can rewind mm-hmm. you, you can you can pause live tv you can take it back it's something that we we didn't necessarily have growing up but now that we we've grown accustomed to it and so what is the interactivity that is built into is built into the experience that makes us believe again that we are somehow in a live setting that we can alter. What is the energy that mm-hmm. I as an audience member can exert now when I'm at home? Cool. Right. Um, I like both points, uh, uh, specifically starting from the whole uh, people thing, just taking their performances and streaming it uh, will have the same effect when you actually losing all that energy but um, i think in the earlier days of lockdowns and stuff there was also a video of lebron james getting asked whether or not they will continue playing when the fans are no longer allowed into the arena and he just gave a quick answer he said no he is not about to play it in an empty stadium. And it's interesting because, uh, come to think about it, uh, a basketball is a sport that requires five players per team at a time on this uh, court. And right. the fans do not do anything. With, there's nothing in the rule books that says, this is what the fans contribute. Uh, and this is the minimum number of fans required. But 
the very fact yeah. that he knows that without fans, they're not playing the same game. Uh, it's basically um, a training session of sorts because who's going to chair when something spectacular happens? Uh, yes, we, we play for the points, but we play for the reactions as well. And to your second point of the technology has improved so much but the artists have not really kept up with using the technology to present their art. And they think that just putting a video on a screen or a streaming a performance is enough when we have gotten accustomed to so much, uh, something else. Um, who do I start with? Okay, uh, Erica Badu is coming to mind. She's doing her live streams and mm-hmm. I think she called the first one Apocalypse 1 and the second one Apocalypse 2. And the first one was $1 to get in, second one $2. But once you get into the stream, you get to pick which song she does next. But you get a selection of two songs. And her, I think because she's come up from the hip-hop uh scene where you'd have a cypher she would have a cypher with a band in between uh, a boat where she would just uh, freestyle something randomly and uh, or read comments and actually reading the comments is actually part of the show now because you know you're no longer in on in front of a stage where all the people are in front of you and you can ask them how are you feeling if you loving this, nice. say yeah, or all of that. So exactly. they have, yeah, they have to now incorporate all of that just through reading comments, uh, getting requests, and that has been working for her. And I've, I think I've enjoyed it. Uh, and she's pushing it further by actually having costume changes in the screen and also having room changes. Uh, where you actually say, okay, next one, next part of the performance, perform it in whatever room she it has, different names for the rooms in her house. And I'm like, right. hmm, that's some wild stuff. And not too many performers, are, or not too many artists are doing that. Even if you look at uh, The Daily Show, mm, right. Trevor Noah telling jokes in his house, and there's no crowd to react to those jokes, but he still emphasizes the punchline as if there's going to be that type of response to his joke. Yeah. Uh, there's still going to be a, a crowd that bursts out laughing when the punchline gets dropped. And it just feels awkward when I'm watching it at home and he just drops the punchline to dead silence. Uh, but it leads me to your second thing, which is, no, third thing in your case. Why are people ignoring all the people who have been doing digital media so well? Um, all the YouTubers. YouTubers have figured out how to live stream. YouTubers have figured out how to tell jokes when no one is there to laugh at your jokes. Like, uh, I... I recently realized that most of the YouTubers I enjoy watching who tell jokes, laugh at their own jokes, 
right after they say them. And it kind of has the same effect of the audience laughing, but they are going to, one, be their own audience because you're not going to get another person busting out laughing when you are the only person in the room. But it helps them right. just tell jokes easier. Right? And obviously, Trevor Noah is at a point in his career where I don't think he would laugh at his jokes unless you know he says something really funny, but that would require him to go very off script. And yeah, it's, it's just interesting. Huh? But yeah. That's that's me and you, on your take. Um. I mean, look. Yeah, there is this thing where people forget that there are other people around who can who can do stuff, mm-hmm. who are more adept at whatever platform. But you can't have a YouTuber necessarily do things live i mean yes we need to figure out i i I do agree with you that maybe people need to talk between mediums but like performing live in front of an audience is very different than being able to shoot edit reshoot Mm -hmm. structure camera you know what i mean so there is there is room for live performers to to not take away revenue from people who do like TikTok skits, Instagram series, YouTube series, you know, because they're they're different, they're different forms. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say it's taking away revenue because what ultimately happens is there's a bigger audience and that's that mostly translates into bigger revenue. I think people are being forced to adapt. I mean um, I like the example of Erica Badu because mm. she's able, she's 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 innovating and being like, how can I make this an experience? And I think that that's what people are lacking right now. People are making very like raw content, mm-hmm. but that means that there, there needs to be a really high investment for people mm-hmm. to want to watch that. Um, mm. I appreciate it when people I like are stripped down and are kind of like, yo, this is how I'm feeling right now. Um, mm. Whether that be like an intense bad emotion or whether they are just like, you know, fuck it. <laughs> like, today, huh? Just don't feel like doing anything. You know? <laughs> sometimes it's really like... Right, you know, sometimes it's really nice to just see people being like, you know what I'm doing today? I'm cleaning my house. But does that mean that I want everyone to 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 not give a fuck that much that everyone is making washing room content? No. <laughs> Depends. Can they make it work? That's what I'm saying. It depends on it depends on the investment um from the fans right mm-hmm. um but i also think that like so i know a lot of people are saying go online go online now blah 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 blue um and i think and you know i i hear you saying <laughs> because you're also a developer i know you're saying we've been here artists just don't want to recognize us but 
you know, I don't think it's something that everyone can do. I still mm. believe that we need to find simpler ways of making the spaces that we share democratic. And unfortunately, in the country that we live in, which is still voted the most unequal society in the world, um, <laughs> access to data is wild. Access to the internet is difficult. Like just access, just even some people can't even afford going on WhatsApp. And the only reason that they're on Facebook or Twitter is because the um, the service providers, you know, um, provide a free version of it, but without gifts and videos and well, things. Yeah. What? Without all these nice things. Right. And, and, and that's, and for some people, that's the only reason they have like Facebook and Twitter. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is, which, so that's, so, so, so there's that. And then you want to take it further and say like, okay, now we're going to watch videos live. People have to, um, <laughs> people have to budget their data content. And mm-hmm. like, if it's like three minutes or whatever, five minutes, maybe people will do it. If it's longer, are people watching it in the higher grade quality? Um, nope. Do they have the connectivity speed to engage with the with the offering? I don't know. I don't. I, I don't necessarily think so. And I think that like throwing all the money there is extremely classic and something that we need to be wary of. And then my question is then. How do you how do you potentially get people to um, compete or to but like on a on a much smaller scale? How do you use something like Twitter, for example? Or, um, I remember a while ago when Twitter threads became a thing, where people uh-huh. would tell entire stories through Twitter, and people would like tune in to watch that not tune in but people will be like ah shit or Mm -hmm. how you know when casper and and aka are are fighting people are Mm -hmm. like yo go to twitter right now (laughs) yeah well um what's your question though no so my response is that um i think that because you were you were talking about how um, there are people who have been doing things digitally and can contribute to what performers oh, are doing yeah. and, and, you know, and help them make their content or whatever. So not even just YouTubers, but I mean like developers like you, whatever, there are people that it's almost like artists are like, Oh no, we're on our own. Instead of saying, Hey, people who are frequently in the space, what are viable things that we can do mm. here? Um, but okay. I think that a lot of people are pushing um, pushing ideas that that also potentially do not speak to the realities of South Africans, and so I'm like, you know what? It, it, while we are also streaming videos, is there a way that we can have people compete, but like on Twitter with high quality productions or engagements, um, where people don't have to have data or a good camera or whatever it is in order to 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 say I'm an artist? Okay. Um, here's my um, stats, and this has been 
my stance for a very long time when it comes to the digital space. Right? And it also forms how I make a decision on technology. Right? One, the internet is a global platform. Right? Mm-hmm. And I'm of the opinion that as soon as you're saying you're doing something on the internet, you're not doing it for South Africa. You're not doing it for Africa. You're doing it for the whole world. And um, those who can physically uh, interact with you or have the opportunity to interact with you. Um, James Blake has been live streaming his performances. Right? South Africans have been flooding his comments. Uh, to the point where he had to uh, acknowledge them towards the end of his last stream and say, yo, I see you guys from South Africa in the comments. I'm sorry, I haven't come there yet. Uh, uh, but I acknowledge that you're here. Right? And uh, he has also noted that he has probably never performed to this many people at the same time. Yeah, 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 but that's besides the point. My point is, as soon as you put it on the internet, you, you open it up to the world, right? So, yeah, uh, but that doesn't nullify the fact that the majority of the popu- South African population cannot uh, afford to always be on the internet. At, at times, they cannot be on the internet on specific days because or they waiting for their money to get right. But the opportunity uh, presented to an artist is, is on a global scale if they get it right, if they engage correctly with their fans. Right? And, and the problem of the audience, I think for me, that is not in the hands of artists and it should not be in the hands of artists. Um, because that's more in trying to fix uh, what's wrong with the world. Certain people are poor, certain people are rich. What are you doing with your art? Are you you trying to end poverty with your art? Or are you trying to end your own poverty with your art? I think Look, I just think that just like how Mpesa became very big um, as a as a kind of um, solution to a regional problem, mm-hmm. um, I think that there's room for us to think of other ways, low cost ways okay. of that um, that speak to a larger demographic. I'm not saying. Um, people need to fix the whole world. I'm just saying that I'm, that's where my head is at, at the moment. Um, no. I also think if you get it correct, if you do it correctly, um, there's, if you do it correctly, there's, there's so much potential for a bigger reach, for more money, and also for more equity. But at mm. the same time, like novelty is also dope, right? Um, <laughs> And yeah, we're all at different places. That's just where my head is at. Okay. I agree with that statement 
police. Uh, um, I was speaking with a colleague about the Mpesa situation. And basically, uh, no one else can replicate Mpesa uh, in other developed countries because they have existing legacy systems. Uh, they have banks that actually work. Right? So as soon as you try or attempt uh, something like Mpesa, you are competing with the banks and all their infrastructure that they have in place. Right. Yeah. So um, whether or not something new can come up uh, specifically to cater for the South African market or the African market, if uh, the access to the internet is such a bad thing across the continent, it will ultimately be competing with the already existing things. Like at the end of the day, Instagram is, is in South Africa. Uh, whether or not other people can engage with the videos in a live manner or they only get the video two weeks later or one week later, uh, it, it, whatever you come up with as a solution, you will still need to compete with Twitter, you still need to compete with Facebook, you still need to compete with TikTok. And so that means even um, a low cost uh, solution uh, will need to be as fit as the high cost solution. So I don't think it will be easy, but that's basically what I wanted to say. Um. No, I'm just working on an idea in my head. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's going to be, I think it's going to be low cost for users, but I think that a lot of money and investment has to go into making it work. Like it's going to be high quality, like high production shit, just mm-hmm. <laughs> not streaming. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, not streaming. Cool. Yeah. Uh, uh, so now for the other part of stage fright, which is the fight. What is your biggest fear? Oh, being wrong. Being wrong? Mm-hmm. Why? I don't know. I've just never wanted to be wrong. I've never wanted to be... I've never wanted to feel like I'm not doing the right thing. Um, I've always prided myself on doing the right thing in terms of... Okay. If there were rules, I would follow them. Okay, so you want to be right in the moral sense? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So you don't break rules, never. Uh, you will never rebel, protest. Not that I'll never rebel. It's just that like, I try to do so in the framework that exists, usually. So what if the framework is wrong? Then it takes me it takes me a longer time to figure out what I would do. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. Uh, so mm, it made me think about this idea I've been having, like belief versus the practicality of the belief. Um, like we believe in a lot of things that are really not practical uh, 
but we stay believing in them for the longest time um, because we simply never battle test the beliefs, right? So um, mm-hmm. when you said your biggest fear is being wrong, I went to that. Like, um, if you have a belief and it's wrong, that means you will most likely not uh, put it to the test uh, to validate it. Right. Yeah. So, uh, but since you have switched it up uh, to the sense that you don't want to be morally wrong, uh, how do you validate moral belief? I mean... Wait, I don't even know if it's all the time morals. I just know that, like, okay, when I was younger, I went to school and I knew that I wanted to be in the top of school. I think I also believe in hierarchies. I'm trying to get oh. away from that. But that mm. is also, that's something that I've modeled my life on. Like, I wanted to be a good, I wanted to be considered good. Like, mm. I wanted to do well in class. I wanted to be on all the teams. I wanted to <laughs> be in the top three. I didn't just want to compete and and be like, well, yeah. I wanted the. I wanted to be recognized. I wanted wanted to be seen. So I worked hard to do that. I wanted to. Um, so wait, I wanted wait, to wait. impress my teachers. So- yeah. Not um, if only did you believe in hierarchies, but you also wanted to be at the top of the hierarchy. Yeah, I believe that that's where that's what it meant to be good. Okay. Like, <laughs> I thought, you know, I thought that the people who were struggling were struggling because they were lazy. Well, it's not um, too far from the not everyone was lazy some people had learning issues some people had unstable households i didn't know but mm-hmm. the way that you operate or whatever makes you believe that other people it makes you believe that everyone is neutral so we're all starting off at like the same level and the reason why you're doing well is is because you try hard and i did obviously i tried hard like I would mm. practice cross country <laughs> by myself. You would practice what? Running, like cross okay. country. Like I would okay. practice something like that. I wanted to be in the choir. Like I tried, but so that's why and... you love singing so much. <laughs> I mean, I was in the choir from grade one to matric, but yes, um, okay. I. Those are things that I really enjoyed doing, but I was also very aware that like I, I wanted to I, I wanted to be recognized in those institutions. However, mm-hmm. I also remember not I also remember in my head having like a clear idea of what people should and shouldn't do. I didn't let people copy my homework. I was like, why would you don't like don't? Don't copy the homework. There was one time I lied for our group to get points in in grade four, and then I felt so bad. Huh? And you snitched afterwards. 
Yeah, I felt so bad. I went home, I cried, came home, went to school the next day and was like, look, I lied about that. <laughs> I know a snitch when I'm talking to a snitch. <laughs> and also, I remember in, 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 in high school, we had one of our, our teachers that people loved our technology teacher, he would like make like jokes and like some of the jokes were like dirty jokes and everyone loved it. And I was like, no, uh-huh. this man must stop telling jokes and he must teach us. What kind of teacher isn't teaching us? There's also a time where I went to my math teacher because I wasn't getting the marks that I, I usually get. And I felt it was because she wasn't she she also wasn't helping me achieve the academic <laughs> the academic um, standards I had set for myself. I was like, you know what? Do you know that you've assigned us homework and you don't check the homework? How am I supposed to improve? How do I know where I'm going wrong? Okay, that's correct. That's correct. Okay. I'm well, that kid. Well, uh, I agree with most of what used to be your main belief, like, um, yeah, um, as to, I think one highlighting uh, note uh, is the whole, uh, the world makes us believe that if you work hard, you will succeed, and if you don't work hard, um, you, you will not succeed, blah, blah, but that's the truth. The, even though we all come from different backgrounds and stuff like that, and we all have different things we have to deal with before we even are in a position to work hard, we either have to travel long distances, so on and so forth. But the thing for me, which highlights um, the whole system is, if you do not save yourself, who is going to save you? Who is going to save me? Yeah, if you do not save yourself, who is going to save you? Um, yeah, so also because of how I grew up in that sense, I've also always been, I guess, a hyper-individualistic in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I care about people and stuff, but sometimes I can't read people or I don't expect necessarily people to be there for me or whatever, but because, like, the way that we grew up, I was kind of like, yo, I care about my parents and my brother now brothers and that's it those are the people that I need to to worry about like if you're upset with what I did if my parents are fine I'm good and so like <laughs> I I think I, it, I I find it very difficult to think of myself in a collective I try really really mm-hmm. hard but it's very difficult for me to 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 to, to truly believe in like a sense of community uh-huh Cool. I appreciate that. Um, because the other thing is, let's say that we do have this sense of community, right? But ultimately, 
the reality is we all come from different backgrounds and we are all fighting different things, different situations. Mm, if you do not have the power to solve the problems that you solve, that you need to solve, how does the person who has the power know of the problems that you have and how do they possibly have enough time in their day to stop the, the problems that they need to deal with, even though they are probably, you know, nice life problems, and actually think about the reality that you are in as a person. No, I don't how, know. how do huh? people do that? I guess, yeah. I guess that's, I guess that's the point, right? I mm. think, I think I'm, I'm so happy, for example, that I got to study drama in particular, because when you do drama, you, you, you have to kind of like unearth people's um, inner lives, kind of like, okay, or, or, or you have to kind of um, interrogate people's contexts and why people um, perform in the way that they do what like you have certain characters and you have you realize that people have different motives and what are the all the ways in like what are the motivations for mm-hmm. why you do what you do that's one thing where you have to like interrogate your own character but in another way you have to also um, you learn how to work with people very closely. And then it was interesting during my undergrad because you would go, I would go to sociology, for example, and they'll tell you all about community work and like how we should avoid autocratic approaches, which are top-down approaches that don't include people who are in different uh groupings to us right but Mm -hmm. they don't tell you how to do that practically or they or they yeah they write it down theoretically but us putting it into practice wasn't something that that really happened so drama was like the only subject for me where I'd have to test out theories and really figure out like what does it mean to work with people Mm -hmm. um and in in that way it made me a lot more empathetic but I think that a lot of people don't have that so yeah I I, I had to I had to do that kind of work um okay okay interesting so how does how did that the whole learning that autocratic systems really don't work out um affect your belief in the hierarchies and if the belief in hierarchies would actually have led to you making a better world for everyone else? I think um, what happened was... um, So the thing is also like I went to to university and then like the my friend 
groups the de- demographics changed and i was for like the first time exposed to people who were like very different or who weren't all the same and um i had to i had to kind of navigate that space and it was really interesting for me um and the same when i when i moved back to cape town and i think <laughs> bless you I think I think I was because I was put in this because I had gone to classes where I had to think very carefully about um not inserting myself into into certain conversations like when I when I was asked to 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 facilitate and really think about what facilitation meant I had to think about um what am i asking leading questions am i yeah leading people to think in a particular way am i actually curious about what other people have to say what what is the energy that i'm getting from people i think it was only through drama it was only through doing drama that i was able to actively apply that in my life and actively be like okay cool in order for me to understand people better i have to i have to experience different environments and when i'm in my environment these are the things that i need to be aware of in terms of the 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 energy that i am projecting um am i taking attention away from people like and and, and actually interrogate what i'm doing in the space as well as observe others so i don't know i don't know if that answers your question it it kind of does okay Cool. Um do you have any questions for me? Why do you want to do this podcast? To create content. <laughs> okay. Mhm. And how how many people are you wanting to interview? How many people are you going to have in a season? I'll see as time goes on um as many as are willing to actually take my call. <laughs> All righty. Okay. Any any more questions? No, what are you scared of? Do you have stage fright? Um at the current moment uh well let me say this is me with fear right um i stare at it and i'm like okay how can i confront this fear that i have and i try to confront it and i try to deal with it as quickly as possible and i think the last time i had to confront it was recently as uh, you know coronavirus came through and yeah i had to think about certain things uh, death itself and confront it and be like okay if i die what does that look like what uh, how does that impact my family how does that impact my siblings how does that impact my friends uh, um i'm from pretoria currently in cape town for work purposes how does my body get from cape town to pretoria 
you know. Um, if I die during lockdown alone in where I stay, how right. is my body discovered such an, uh, you know, those types of things? So, um, yeah, I had to confront that and had to deal with that. Same conversation. How am I impacted if a family member dies? So on and so forth. And answer those questions for myself. Um, have a Spotify playlist ready in the event that I actually have to drive up to Harding to attend a funeral. Right. And yeah, things like that. And that is my relationship with fear. I sit down with fear and have a conversation with it. Okay. Mm -hmm. it's, it's interesting. Mm -hmm. Cool. So, and yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I'm just listening. I didn't have expectations. I'm not. I mm -hmm. I don't know if you're now just asking questions. I I don't know. Okay. So, um, uh, is there anyone else you would recommend I engage on stage fright? Um, I'd have to think about it. No, so uh, there's no name. You can just shout, and then I'll uh, find them on Twitter. Okay. Uh, bruh. Are you looking for famous people? Or no, anyone. Like... Anyone. Anyone you think will take the call. Um, Yo, I don't know. This week I was speaking to Balindile Robo. Um, and a couple of us, she had a she was having a conversation around what's gonna happen next in theater. So it was her and Jason Jacobs and Sarah Matchett and Katlejo and mm -hmm. Haley Evans and Mwenya Cowboy and um this other girl, this other woman who runs a a theater podcast but my brain is actually dead um and and then if you if you want um what are these people called illustrator people like i'm always interested in like what paula's thinking paula manelli i'm okay. always and i'm interested in like moose no taco i'm interested in taco AKA Taco Universe. Okay. I think he's dope. Yeah. I've made a mental list of your people and I'll slot them in somewhere in, on my list and then I'll try to have a conversation with them. But thank you very much for being with us right now. Uh, you are effectively the first person on stage, right? I hope the recording works because this is my first time recording on Skype. So I don't even know how it's going to sound. Well, 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 we'll see. We'll wait and see the outcome. Yeah, but uh, thank you very much. Hope you have a wonderful lockdown. Thank you for having me. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>